cutting-edge startups and Fortune 500s all in one room talking about how emerging technologies are changing our world. This is The Tech House, and I'm Swish, your host, the CEO of Truth. In this episode, you're getting a seat to our launch event, where some of our amazing guests spoke about corporate innovation and the impact of scaling emerging technologies across various industries. Let's jump in. We have some fantastic guests here, and I think the best thing that we can do off the bat is for each of them to introduce themselves, tell you a little bit about what they do on a day-to-day level, and then we'll get into the really hard questions that will make them all sweat. So why don't we start off with Aaron on the very right. Thank you. Hi everyone, I'm Aaron LeBay and I am the CTO and one of the co-founders at Lucid. And Lucid is an AI company that is working to make music into a medicinal tool, essentially. So we learn how your body reacts to music during a music session. And over time, we learn what to give to you in order to get you to a goal mental state. So I'm, I'm on the startup side, not the big corporate side. So my day changes pretty rapidly. We just secured financing, so I'd say my day is starting to get a little bit more predictive, but that certainly is not the case yet. I I work on the tech team, so I manage uh, machine learning engineers, software engineers, content people, so I kind of work on this boundary of art and science throughout my day. And other than that, yeah, I, I do a lot of coordinating with investors and our corporate partners as well, so kind of a blend of all kinds of stuff. Hi everyone, I'm Matt Ginsberg. I'm Vice President for E-commerce Technology with Walmart Canada. Uh, Walmart is a retail company. I, yeah. Oh my God! How many people have not heard of Walmart? <laughs> no. So uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people, of course, know Walmart, but that what they don't know is uh, our outstanding technology team in house. You might have heard of Walmart Labs, uh, the new brand coming out of California, uh, that uh, to brand our technology team. Well, we've been extending that to markets around the world, including Canada, where we've hired up a really outstanding team of product managers, engineers project managers, quality assurance specialists, and are building technology to hopefully transform the retail game in Canada. So my day today is trying to inspire an awesome team of, uh, of leaders and trying to tra- tra- change the game for Canadian retail. Guys, Piyush Gaur, uh, I lead the AI portfolio for TELUS uh, for consumer products. On day-to-day basis, I would say it really depends. Uh, if there are product managers in the room, they would know Uh, One day you really have to deal with legals, which is like a blind date. You never know how that's going to go. Other day you're trying to get funding from your leadership. Other ones you're dealing with privacy. It really depends what day it is. Last few weeks, I would say. We have been working really hard to get some funding for us over next year. I'm Kelly Stewart, and I'm head of marketing for a startup called Sampler. Basically, we help brands distribute product samples online. So we're a more efficient way, instead of having a brand ambassador on a street corner or some random person in a department store handing you a perfume sample you don't want. We've created kind of an algorithm that can be embedded into a brand's website that allows consumers to come to that website, answer a few questions, and actually get matched with a sample that suits their profile. So I think the first question that I personally would love to ask is how you guys all got to the position that you guys are at. Was there any defining moment for an Aaron example to to become a startup founder or for Kelly to get involved with Sampler or for for Matt and Piyush to get into a bigger company and find a really cool role within that? How did you guys get to that point? Anyone can kind of start from here. Sure, I'll start. So my project came out of my uh, projects uh, that I was doing at Ryerson University. So this was kind of a research project that I started kind of out of necessity. I personally was working through mental health challenges and I was finding the existing system to not really meet those needs. So I was starting to use music a little bit more scientifically. Uh, I'm a musician in my background, but I'm also an engineer. So I have this kind of weird blend of like nerd and 
musician. Uh, so I, I was doing a lot of this work at, on, on my own, and then I, I transcended that into my thesis project. And then from there, it really just kind of snowballed. I found my co-founders. Uh, we started the company just because I think uh, we're all entrepreneurs at heart, and we think that this is where we fit best. Uh, I started out in uh, retail stores. I, I worked for uh, Laura Secord and, and Staples, and uh, you know, uh, being in the field and, and working with kind of customers, trying to help them out. You know, there's something uh, just so pure about you know a customer comes in with a need, and if you can help them in just the right way and provide just a little bit of customer service, because you know the standards aren't that high out there, you can totally change someone's day. And you know, I got really passionate about wanting to make a bigger impact, and um, e-commerce being a fast emerging space seemed like the right way to do it. So, you know, I, I moved over to Sears, where there was a, a good e-commerce game happening, and I really, you know, I just wanted to just help kind of define the future uh, for Canadian consumers and, and, you know, make it a better experience for them. So, yeah, to me, it's just about, you know, being able to do it on the biggest stage possible. Piyush? Right, so for me, products were always close to my heart um, from the beginning of my career. So I did my MBA a couple of years back, and before that, I was actually in a technical part of the product management. That's what I used to lead. And I got into MBA thinking that, hey, I'm going to do management consulting. Like, I have full end-to-end -end experience of hardware, software, supply chain, different parts of the world. This is exactly what I'm going to do. Four months into um, in the MBA, I realized, dude, no, that's not for me. What I really like is <laughs> execution piece, like takes, taking some idea from concept level, to you know, going different stages of product management, launching it, seeing it through launch, and letting, seeing, it, seeing customers in the real life using it, giving the feedback. That is the whole process I really loved. And post-MBA, I chose this position because it gave me an opportunity to not stay away from technology. So AI is very close technology. And it also gave me a bit of a hands-on experience for my business learning that I had in MBA. And hence, product management for uh, AI portfolio there, yeah. For us, it was just such a no-brainer in the beginning because it, sampling such a broken system that hasn't been updated in so long. And we just knew we had something really special and went from there. I can speak for myself and hopefully for everyone here. Like, I'd be at the train station and get handed like a men's razor. And it was just like, who's doing this? This is such a waste of money. And there's so many better ways to do this. And so when I, I got on board right at the beginning, and it was just, it seemed like such a simple, clear concept that made a ton of sense. And in the beginning, we were actually just a Facebook app. And we were just trying to kind of figure out if people would resonate with this. And we had a leg up because everybody loves free samples. So that definitely worked in our favor. Um, but within a couple months, we had like 40,000 followers and people just begging to like have this experience. For Matt and Piyush, how do you guys work with startups as, as big organizations? Is that something that a Walmart or a TELUS does regularly? So I would say the two, three different ways TELUS works with startups. One is uh, we have our own TELUS venture arm. And what we really do is um, look for those niche startups where you find synergies with TELUS, what TELUS does. And once we handpick those startups, we invest in the startups in terms of financially, but we also kind of open the doors with expertise that we in-house have with TELUS, either in terms of technology or in terms of opening up the doors to our customers. So that's one way I would say we work with startups very closely. Other one is our product teams. Uh, what we essentially do is we spend 10 to 15% of our times looking forward into the future technologies and trends. And what we do is we go and speak to different startups and see which of those trends will make sense. We pick that and work with three or four different startups to do a POC. And with working these, with these startups over three or four months, we realize, okay, this is the right startup, like looking at the trends they have, they are based in Toronto or different parts of the world. We go ahead and do our projects with them. 
A third one, very quickly, is we, we work with the um, governments as well. For example, uh, Vector Institute here in Toronto or AMI Institute in, um, in, in Alberta. We work with government to kind of establish that institute so that startups can apply to it and get technical, so to say, background from um, like from strength perspective. Matt, that's great. Uh, you know, not that different. You know, we also love uh, embracing uh, the startup community and learning from them. Sometimes bigger organizations can be really bad at seeing emerging trends. And so by having that kind of diversity of viewpoints, it's really helpful for us to, to think more about actively about what, what changes are happening in the market. We have our uh, Walmart inter innovation community in Canada. That is a group of people from all types of disciplines across our organization who just have a passion for innovation and change and paving that way to the future. So that group gets together and, and will often invite in startups uh, and entrepreneurs to come in and start that relationship, tell us a little bit about what they're doing, educate us on an emerging field. And uh, you know we'll occasionally bring a lot of vendors together for an innovation fair. We've done that a couple times. And the idea is, is that you know to get the wheels turning and, and start thinking about it and then when those specific applications come in, one of our business units has a problem to solve, suddenly now we have all these like great partners we can think of uh, in the back of our mind and say, you know what, maybe that's the right application um, for this, this emerging technology and we'll bring people back in. So it's a lot of, you know, just initially like kicking off that relationship and just getting to know um, some of the, the startups that are out there and then hopefully, you know, the right opportunity comes along the right business problem. Right. And what I love is when we were recording this podcast, what was really cool is we would have a Fortune 500 individual, whether it was a marketing manager or an executive at the company, come and sit beside a startup founder. And what was really cool is throughout the podcast, we'd have a problem that the Fortune 500 individual would put out, and the startup founder would be like, oh, we can actually solve that. So for Aaron and Kelly, how do you guys normally work with larger organizations then from, from a startup point of view? We definitely have been kind of leveraging the big corporate partnerships quite a bit. I think in our case, we have a core technology uh, that requires an embodiment. Generally speaking, like the first product that we did was an IoT product. So we decided that we loved ourselves enough not to build a furniture company ourselves, especially being that like raising money for that would have been impossible. So we ended up partnering with uh, Steelcase, which is an American uh, furniture manufacturer. And we worked with them to actually build a product together. And I think the benefits of that was we got to build, build software. We don't want to be a lean software AI company. We don't want to you know, have operations, supply chain, all that kind of stuff to deal with. For them, it was a great way for them to get into the AI space, right? Especially since their competitors are definitely not doing AI. Furniture is not really in that space yet. So Steelcase had the opportunity to kind of, you know, first mover advantage a little bit in that space. And we obviously got to benefit with that. There are definitely growing pains. Complete respect for both you and your, your organizations. But it's really hard, I think, for a startup to work with a big corporate because we had to break a lot of rules in order for it to work. When it does work, it's a pretty beautiful thing, I think. And, and Kelly, for you guys? For us, something that was really big were innovation programs. They were just coming out when Sampler started, so we got quite lucky that people were really excited about it within these enterprise companies. And the great thing about consumer packaged goods enterprise companies is that if you work with one brand name under an umbrella like Kraft Heinz, Unilever, you tend to get a little more momentum. But we really had to prove ourselves in the beginning. And there were some barriers as well as, as much as you could get your foot in the door through an innovation program, breaking out of that innovation program and really having an actual business with them was, was quite difficult. That was huge for us. One of the first ones that we got into was through uh, L'Oreal, who's actually one of our investors now, and built this incredible relationship with them and several others that really helped us get our foot in the door. And, and I think everyone can speak to this, but it seems like the, the rate of technology as it continues to advance is going so much higher, right? Every single year, I mean, think about it. Anyone remember LimeWire, right? That was, like, that was like 10 years ago or something. 
And, and now it's crazy. Like, the amount of places you can find music is ridiculous. Like, we used to feel like ninjas when we were on LimeWire, and now you just can't because there's so many legal ways to get music. But at the same time, I, I'm super curious. When you guys are putting out a new product, and this could even be very similar to some of the startup founders here, how do you guys go about customer adoption in terms of speaking to the customer and telling them that here's an offering that isn't going to disrupt your life too much because some people are cognizant about changing their life a bit too much? How do you guys like blend into their lifestyle and allow them to you know, come in without any form of like intimidation towards what you guys are offering? I think in our case, we have a bit of an advantage because people who are using our platform, generally it's out of need. So it is a need that they have that is being unmet and we're very happy to provide that value to the, to the customer. But I think in our case, being that we're a mental wellness company, that's, you know, it's, it's a no-brainer. That's a big problem that a lot of people have issues with. So I, I think for us, people are very comfortable to try it because there's just this really dire need for additional value in that space. I think uh, there's a lot of people who have been provided products that are just not satisfactory. So I think that's one of the benefits that we're working with. That said, we do have a lot of privacy concerns naturally. So I think for us, it's a lot of thought leadership around data that we're, we're working on building. And I think that's kind of our challenge. I would say for us, it's definitely the educational piece. I mean, digital sampling wasn't really a thing before. And so that was the first five years of our company was really just explaining what that even means. So kind of getting that in front of them, making sure they understand. And even though we're a technology company, there's still a certain level of white glove service that we're giving these companies to make sure that they know that we're here, that we're going to help them understand and that we're going to help them implement and also kind of be an advocate within their companies. And that's definitely something within the process that we do as well on, on our customer service team. Our job is to make these people feel good at their jobs. And so the more that we can do that day to day and really make them feel like our product, our technology is going to make them look great in front of their boss, the easier and more willing they are to adopt it and keep using it. The challenge we have is uh, every two to three years, what happens is we change the technology, we change the product. For certain products, it's easier. Customers understand what the use case is and we understand where the pain points are. But certain ones, it's actually very difficult. One rule of thumb is you go and ask customers, like, hey, what do you want, where the pain points are? But certain times, what you're really asking is, where to put the engine in front of the car or back of the car while they're riding the horses. They really don't know what we're talking about. So those, and those moments are, are the difficult moments from products or product management standpoint, like, hey, what do I really do? What do they really want? And that's when we, we see ourselves struggling and smart people like Aaron come handy because they have been on the grassroots level for a long time and startups like that, they come very handy and that's when we work with them. And I agree with you when you said like the, the pain that you have with working with big, big organizations, because you can move like, like wild horses and we bloody hell with slow moving yeah, elephants. I'm, I'm and sure there are mutual pains too. Yeah, I find like, you know, being able to test early and often on any new product that you're bringing to market is, is key. And for us, it's not a problem to, you know, find new audiences, you know, 9 million uh, people a week walk into a Walmart store. And so we have this like massive audience of people that we can reach out to and say, hey, you know, try this piece of technology. We think that we can make your purchasing experiences better through X. But, you know, making sure that you are finding those pockets of people to test against and really listening to that early feedback before you try to launch these, you know, broad national programs is so key. And our, our instincts are, you know, all over the place sometimes because, you know, the people that tend to be the product managers and the drivers of technology are super, super into tech. They're early adopters of a lot of these things. And the reality is that a lot of Canadians consumers, especially when compared to the U.S. market, uh, we're a little behind. We're a little behind in e-commerce. We're a little behind in, in technology adoption. So you got to really put your hand to where, where the consumer's mindset is and, and again, just you know, measure, measure that early adoption. What are you guys the most excited for, for technology, and then what are you guys the most scared of going forward? I'd say what I'm most excited about is that it's making all of us as a society 
question the status quo and push us forward and critically look at things and say, is this the best this can be? Can, is, can this be more efficient? And if so, how? Instead of just taking things as is and, oh, this is the best it can be. It's really made us a society of, of critical thinkers. As far as what I'm scared of, ooh, I don't know. I mean, the data collection thing is pretty scary, which I probably shouldn't say as a tech company. <laughs> it's our bread and butter. But it is scary, right? I mean, it's pretty crazy that you like talk to your friend about like pizza and then you're served an ad for pizza. Like it, it's a little scary and jarring sometimes. And I think that is the responsibility that we as technology companies have. These People aren't just data points, and we have to kind of respect their privacy and be as transparent as possible about where we're using that data. And that's really how you can build a trusting relationship. From technology standpoint, it's brilliant when technology actually solves a problem. But uh, what's all the more that you should or we should appreciate really is when one technology comes out in the market and one person runs with it, find a solution, second person runs with it, finds another solution. For example, when peer-to-peer -peer communication came back in late 90s, somebody figured out, I can actually just not use it for chat, but I can use it for voice. Somebody else figured out, I can use it for video. So Skype came out, and then, all of a sudden, people in Africa having a health consultations with people, doctors in, 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 in states. So that's the best part I think I like about technology, that hey, Someone fixes the problem, but someone else takes it up, figures out the solution from the same technology. No one has thought when iPhone came out that, hey, we will be able to press a button and Uber will come in front of us. Nobody thought of that when iPhone came out, but somebody over the time figured this out. So that, that's one piece I really like about technology and how the whole world kind of works together. In terms of um, uh, the, the, the fear, uh, I would say that the misconception that is, uh, we have about AI and be very precise if you want me to, is I think it's, it's mostly because of the Hollywood movies, really. As much as we like watching the movies and Netflix and like the recommendations that Netflix gives us, we are actually getting scared by the movies that we watch. I mean, listing things that to be excited about in technology, I think this is going to be a very receptive audience. I think, we, I, I think this is a community of people who will, are very optimistic about uh, the, thing, the things that technology is bringing to people's lives. I mean, we are, I believe, it, healthier, safer, you know, the, by having mobile devices and smart watches that detect falls. And I mean, there's so many ways in which you can tangibly say that, you know, the, these capabilities and having them always on is really helping our lives. One thing I'll be honest, I, I get scared about is thinking about how these ecosystems are developing. And, you know, unlike the promise of the early internet and everyone's got a voice, I think, you know, the move to these walled gardens and these closed ecosystems where the place that you shop determines the smart speaker that you have, determines the phone that you have, determines, you know, the credit card that you're gonna buy. As those start to kind of isolate us into these ecosystems, I worry that it's gonna be harder for new ideas to emerge as quickly as we've seen in the last couple decades. I, I hope we don't lose that spirit of innovation that, that the digital age has brought us, so. Something I'm scared of. I would say, generally speaking, I'm, uh, I'm optimistic as well. But the, the tech that really excites me is not even in my space, but I think the idea that we're able to create these imagined communities with people that we're not even physically with, I think that's pretty interesting. There's a lot of aspects of technology that will naturally alienate us from others, but I do see these really amazing cultures of people who don't even like physically know each other, but they have these really beautiful relationships. So I think that's kind of interesting. Again, not the space that I'm in, but I'm always kind of dumbfounded by how we're able to have meetings with people from around the world at any given time. Telecommunications is just interesting. I would say the thing that scares me, so this is ironic because I'm in an AI company, but AI generated music is kind of terrifying to me. I'm a musician, so this is weird because I create an AI platform that 
works with music, but it almost feels like I'm kind of like eating myself in some ways. <laughs> so we don't do generative music for that reason. I think that ultimately as we continue to automate things, creativity will be the thing that humanity will have left. And I think if we like start to replace humanity from creativity, then we'll be bored. And, and deep fakes. Deep fakes are scary deep as fake, crap. They are scary, 100%. Last question, biggest takeaway for every single person here if they want to get involved in tech? Because not everyone here might be in that industry. Read everything you can. Never stop asking questions. Never stop learning. Uh, this industry, just by its definition, you, you're, you should never think of yourself as an expert because there's always going to be just crazy amounts more to learn. Any, any book off the bat that comes to your head when you're like, good intro for, for tech? I'm more of a, uh, gosh. I, I can help yeah, you out there. there In terms it. of books, uh, the one I think you should read is Life 3.0. It's a book by, I think it's Max Tagmark. Tagmark. Uh, it's a brilliant book in terms of it defines different outcomes that can actually come out of how AI either works with us or actually rules us or we rule AI. So different outcomes. And it does a very nice parallels of different future worlds. That's one book you should read. In terms of um, educating yourself, I would say uh, McKinsey Insights, a free publication. Go and read it. It helps us a lot in terms of understanding if AI or any other technology becomes a future trending technology, how the business models for companies could evolve. Wired is another magazine that should be read on a weekly basis. And the third one, I would say, is The Economist. It helps you to understand the, the social economical factors, uh, how they will get affected because of AI or any other technology. So those three would be my, my go-to recommendation if you want to stay in, in the field of tech. Kelly? A couple big takeaways. I mean, you don't have to be a tech person to be in tech. I have a background in fashion and PR, and I went to art school, and that actually ended up being a pretty competitive advantage for me within the tech community because I had a fresh perspective and wasn't coming at it from kind of an engineer's mind. And then the other thing is also I think a lot of people decide they want to work at a startup and then just try to find any startup to work at or be a founder of and that's kind of a backwards way of doing it. You're better off finding out what you would care about or would want to invest your career into and then go out there and find whether it's health tech, fintech, whatever it is that you really care about and resonate with and, and find the right companies to work for. And Aaron? I'll give like two different pieces of advice for entrepreneurship, kind of in line with what you're saying. Don't do it unless you actually care about the problem. I think a lot of investors especially can kind of see through that and they won't fund you, but also like you won't actually provide the value that you could be. So I think that it's important to actually care about the problem and, and want to solve it for yourself even. The other piece I would say, if you're working in tech, just like stay curious, never be satisfied with what you're working with. Try to go beyond your sphere because there's some really interesting stuff that happens when you look beyond the normal tools that you work with. During the panel, I got a really interesting perspective on how emerging technologies are being adopted, not only by consumers, but by major organizations that are scaling new innovations. A few things that I want everyone to take away. Number one, it doesn't matter what background you come from, everyone, everyone is affected by technology in one way or another. Two, if you're interested in working in tech, then get involved. Research what you could possibly be passionate about. The tech world encompasses pretty much every industry and we need diverse perspectives to make sure that we stay on the right track. Number three, regardless of whether you're working in a startup or a large corporation, each path comes with its own challenges when implementing new innovations. Be mindful of that when trying to work with either a small or large organization. Thank you so much for all your support throughout the season. 
We're excited to announce that we will be back for season two in early 2020. Stay up to date with our progress on Instagram, following the handle at the Tech House Podcast. I'll be back very soon.